You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're going to go off course a little bit here. Uh, We did NFL and NBA in hour number one. Uh, We'll certainly continue to talk NBA and NFL, but in a slightly different way. The media's coverage of it and presentation of it with our next guest. He is the New York Post media columnist, Andrew Marchand, who's good enough to jump aboard with us for a couple minutes here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, Andrew? I'm doing well, Jody. Good to hear your voice. My pleasure. Appreciate uh, catching up with you. Um, I know you had fun with this story this week. We had the whole Tony Romo a competition between ESPN and CBS. Romo and his agent played his cards quite well. Thank you very much. Got a big lucrative contract out of it. Was able to stay where he was at, working with Jim Nance, which he seems to enjoy greatly, and get paid a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, some of it dependent on how the network contracts go with the league itself, but chances are CBS going to stay in the mix, going to keep Romo, going to pay him more money to announce than he probably made to actually play the game. And that follows up with the pursuit of one Peyton Manning. ESPN coming up short for Romo, still needs to fix its Monday night broadcast, and they're pushing all their chips into the middle of the table to try and put a partnership together of Peyton Manning and Al Michaels. How is that going to work? Well, there's a lot of steps for Al Michaels to end up with Monday night football again and Peyton Manning to be his partner But first off, NBC would have to say, yes, ESPN can talk to Al. Al has two more years left on his contract. He's 75, and he really hasn't slowed out at all. He's still at the top of his game, if not the best, one of the best uh, calling NFL games from the play-by-play position. So ESPN wants him to add glamour back to the Monday Night Booth, especially as all the networks head into their their negotiations for their next packages with the NFL, which will be for billions of dollars. ESPN wants more, along with ABC and Disney, and so they'd love to add Al. And then Peyton Manning, he's always said no uh, to games. He's been asked by every network. But now the money has gone 10 million dollars uh, for guys like him. Romo got 10 years and $180 million. Uh, I'm not sure that Peyton's going to get that high, but He's still going to get a very lucrative contract. And the other factor for him is that Eli Manning is no longer playing, which was a factor in him not uh, calling games sooner. Uh, do you think that he's actually going to come in at less than Romo? I know Romo's been doing it for a couple of years, but Tony Romo is Tony Romo and Peyton Manning's Peyton Manning. Uh, I, I, when Romo set the bar, I think if I were Peyton Manning's agent, I'd say, all right, we start there and go north. Do you think he'd actually do it for less than Romo, come in as the second highest paid analyst? 
I think Peyton Manning is as competitive as they come, so he's going to want to be paid more. Uh, will ESPN do it? I'm not positive. I, I think that you know they had planned a 10-year, $140 million contract for Tony Roma, which is $40 million less than what uh, CBS paid. Now there's people at CBS who feel like if he got into the open bidding, they would have topped the $18 million. So we're going to see with Peyton Manning because if true, they'll, they'll top it. Um, but I, I'm going to have to see it. I'm not positive he's going to get as much as Tony Romo because from people I've talked to, ESPN, you know, at least with Romo, wanted to be disciplined. Now at this point, will they say, you know what, with Peyton Manning, the, mar- the market has been set 180, $180 million for 10 years uh, with Tony Romo, so we have to either equal that or top it for Peyton Manning. That's possible, uh, but there's no evidence yet that they're, they're, they've gone that high. Uh, they could, but, uh, but as of right now, I, I think their initial offer is likely to be less. Fair enough. Um, and maybe a compromise position is that uh, Peyton does what he does for uh, Monday Night Football, but then also continues to do the other things that he's been doing yeah. for ESPN. Um, I don't know what kind of paycheck he was getting for that. If you've got a guess, you can feel free to share with us. But uh, if he gives them a little added value, maybe that gets him into and maybe even above Ro- uh, Romo's market. Yeah, and keep in mind... I mean, people are so so they, these guys are getting paid what for how much? Uh, for Tony Romo, he'll do depending if they have a Super Bowl or not around twenty to twenty-two games per year. So that's twenty-two days of work. Now you have to travel in, so maybe double it or even triple, uh, if you will. But I think you probably just double it with with how Romo's schedule is going to work out. And so forty-four dates, uh, eighteen million dollars. It's not a bad uh, per show outing like you know it's jody mac money <laughs> wish i could only be i wish i could see that neighborhood let alone ever go and visit it or reside there that... let's just get let's just get like 200 miles from that neighborhood yeah and wave uh send up send up a smoke signal or something andrew marshan new york post medium columnist our guest here on cbs portrayal all right andrew the other story that's making big news is the effect that the coronavirus scare is having on professional sports. The NHL yesterday said uh, they are going to cease allowing reporters into the locker room after the game. All post-game interviews would be done in a media, separate media room in a separate setting. So one-on-one interviews are going to become much less likely. Uh, how much of an effect does this have on coverage of individual teams? Because there's a chance... The NBA and MLB could follow suit shortly thereafter. Uh, I think that it's a uh, precaution that needs to at least be looked at. Now that it has been decided upon, what kind of effect does it have on the coverage of a team that's going to implement this policy? Yeah, for reporters, we build rapport by in those locker rooms and in the casual conversations, the one-on-one uh, encounters that you have with players and and GMs and team presidents. And so when the locker room access is, is cut like that, uh, even though obviously we're, there's a world health scare that's, that's uh, more important and more vital, uh, it does impact the, the um, relationship. Now, if this is just a short-term uh, solution, then uh, I could see, you know, then, okay, fine. You know, obviously we all are going to have to likely adjust to try to deal with uh, – coronavirus. Uh, but that said, I don't know if um, limiting, you know, usually a hockey team, you know, for the most part 
how many reporters are going into the locker room after the game? 10, 15 at most. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that's really going to change anything. Like, I don't know if that, if it's such a, you, it's a remedy you needed, or is this a way to maybe get uh, people out of the locker room, which players you know, generally don't want. Uh, and you could say, I, guess I could understand people listening. Why the, why the media in the locker room? Well, the, the way to get these in-depth stories is in the, in the, the way it's, you know, operated for a long time is, is that, especially like in baseball, for example, before the game, there's an hour of access where the media is in the locker room. And it allows for you to get to know guys better. And the stories that you hear and the ones that you like, the detailed stories, uh, that, those are, that's where those are found, just in conversations. Uh, and so, again, we're dealing with something that's bigger than sports, of course, right now. And so uh, if it's temporary, maybe it's understandable, but, you know, it's, if it's just sort of to crack something open for a longer-term uh, way of doing things, I think not only would it be bad for the media, but I think it's a mistake for the league because I do, I do think it helps to sell the sports when people can understand things better and uh, get to know people better. And that's, you know, the media is the, the middleman between the uh, players and the fans, even though it's less so than ever because of social media. And I cannot refute your suggestion that there could be a hidden agenda or agendas here uh, that we'll have to wait and see how they play out go fo- uh, going forward. But it, there is at least being discussion of games potentially being played sans crowd, sans paying admission patrons coming in to watch the game because they're trying to control this environment as much as they can. If a league like the NHL or any other league were to go to those kind of links, then we would know that there's no hidden agenda other than safety of their players and safety of the general public. Agreed? No doubt about it. And look, I I think the NHL's intentions, as far as I can tell, are good. I mean, I'm going to go on uh, the side of they're not trying to do something underhanded here. Uh, So, but I don't know. You could make some arguments that, they're going to be be like the NHL situation. You're, you're having a crowd. If they like, let's say they're going to allow crowds into the arenas. And then that, you know, you kind of have to go full. I think that's the problem is the issue that I think, again, I'm not a coronavirus expert. That's not what you have me on. But if you don't go full measures, like half measures don't really work. So that kind of feels like a half measure with the media. Uh, I'm sure the intention is good, but, the uh, it just doesn't feel like that is really a a solution necessarily. That's um, that if you're the NHL and you really want to make an impact, it's probably what you're talking about. And you're not going to have people at the arenas uh, again. Uh, that we're not there yet, and uh, hopefully we don't get there and we can figure this out without doing that. But um, that thing, that seems as if like if you're trying to keep people safe, it's you know large crowd um, is 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 an issue. Uh, at the moment because of the, you know, how easily it's uh, transmitted. Andrew Marchand from the New York Post, their sports media columnist, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Right, we are just around the corner from tournament time, which is a different animal than anything else in all of sports. 68 teams played out over several weeks, played out over not one, not two, not three, four different networks uh, with games, CBS, TNT, TBS, True TV, and they have almost matching studio shows rather than just one big studio show that covers all games on all uh, outlets as it used to when CBS had the whole uh, enchilada. It, 
does it play better the way that it is developed into that it is a a branching out of the sport or do you think it gets too misdirected uh we've seen it develop over the last several years what's your thought on the 2020 tournament as as it is going to be presented to its viewers yeah i think it's fine um you know because you can see every game you want to see which is great uh i mean i'm a little old school i'd love when you used to switch from game to game or something as a media nerd, you know, seeing where they're going to switch, what are they going to do, are we going to see the end of this game? That was fun, but but that's not the world we live in now, and it's still better, because obviously you get to make the choice if you want to see uh, your team or which team you want to watch. They're all accessible, and you can watch them online as well. So it, it's better now, uh, but it's not as fun from a, from a media angle. Uh, it, it's not as fun, and... Um, but but I think overall it's a better environment because of the access. Will Charles Barkley be more knowledgeable of the college game or less knowledgeable of the college game this year? Yeah, he's gotten a little better over the years. When he first started, he knew nothing. Uh, but you know, Barkley is probably the best studio guy ever. Obviously, his expertise is the NBA. I do think, though, he's improved. The one thing I will say in their coverage, and this is a CBS TNT thing, is that, like, the TNT inside the NBA, obviously, is very personality-driven, a lot of jokes. I do feel like sometimes with the CBS thing, it doesn't need to be... It, it, when they go too much around Barkley, I think that hurts the show because I think when you talk about the NCAA tournament, people want to watch the games and not, like, the Charles Barkley show. So, yes, he knows much more than he used to. He does study up more than at first. At first, he didn't seem very knowledgeable. Uh, but but now uh, he knows his stuff, and, and he is the best studio analyst, so, in my opinion, of all time. All right, we're only a couple of weeks away from the start of the baseball season. Return of Sunday night baseball, down a chair. Jessica Mendoza gets a contract extension, but is taken off Monday night. I know she's going to show up on Greeny's show in the morning more often, but uh, I guess it's not a bad gig if you get your contract extended and they take your biggest responsibility away. What do you think the Matt Vaskurgeon A-Rod two-man booth is going to be like? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because both those guys go into the final year of their contracts, uh, and A-Rod's going to have a chance to show that he can uh, carry a broadcast for nine innings. You know, Vasquez a pro. He can handle it. There's no doubt. You know, people might like him. People might not like him. But he can do games. He did the Padres for years. Uh, he's been a national broadcaster for years. So he can do the job. Uh, it's A-Rod that the question is. He does present himself as if he's, you know, very into, uh, M- you know, Major League Baseball. And he is into baseball. I know that from covering him for so many years. And he knows a lot. But is he, you know, between J-Lo and doing all the shows he does and, you know, filming, filming Instagram uh, posts. Uh, does he study the game and, and really have the knowledge of, you know, who's on the San Francisco Giants and, you know, what their setup situation is? Uh, I'm not sure. And I think those things get exposed and, you know, more when you're the only guy or person in the booth in this case. Uh, so that said, I do think there was a lot of air to fill and it was a little awkward, the three of them. Uh, so it could be better. Uh, but it's going to be on A-Rod. There's no real excuses for him. And like I said, his contract's up at the end. Will he want to do it? Will ESPN still want him? Uh, they also have Chipper Jones joining their weekday broadcast. He's somebody who could be uh, in line if he does well to perhaps move to Sunday. 
Uh, and the interesting, you know, bigger element with ESPN is that I do think they could add more playoff games in the next agreement, which starts should start in 2022. Uh, so this booth could become even more important because you could be doing very important playoff games, uh, in, you know, a year from now. Uh, so, so that's another little sidelight as we move forward with that Sunday night team and, and ESPN. All right, Andrew, last thing, uh, and if you haven't had the chance or you haven't been motivated uh, by it, please tell me. But if you have, uh, give me your thoughts. XFL on TV. Again, another venue that's spread out over several different networks. I actually think it doesn't help the XFL, but uh, they've got some different type rules, which I think add excitement to the game. Uh, and they seem to use a couple of different broadcast elements than regular uh, networks do for NFL games. Uh, what would you say is the best thing about XFL broadcast these days? Aspect, personality, whatever you want to uh, drop it on. And what do you think is the one thing they've tried and unfortunately failed here in the first couple of weeks in presenting their product, uh, their product on TV? So number one, I'd say the quality of the play is good enough. Now, I think everyone wants to see the ratings. Uh, to, you know, the week one, of course, they did well, and then they haven't really maintained those ratings, which they weren't going to do, but the ratings have been slightly disappointing after that. Uh, but, but to me, the quality of play. So I don't think it's a, it's a game you're going to – it's appointment TV as of now. But is it, if it's on, could you watch it? I think you can. Uh, and I think one thing to answer your question more fully is that they, a couple of the broadcast booths, they really have done well. Uh, Kevin Burkhart uh, with Greg Olson is a really good team. Uh, ESPN teams are, are, are very good as well. Uh, and so when you, when you look at it, you're getting a quality broadcast with Steve Levy. Uh, you know, he might not be everyone's taste, but Pat McAfee is, is entertaining. You know, he hasn't been on all the broadcasts, but he's on some. Um, and uh, Greg McElroy is, is, is a good analyst. And so when you look at it, um, they've gotten that quality uh, correct. Uh, to me, I like the gimmicky stuff with the, um, you know, with the access, some of it. But I think some of it's a little too much. Like, I don't know if you need to be interviewing players every five seconds. I think it takes away from the competition. And I think you could accomplish it just as much if you have live mics. You know, we see NFL films after the fact, a week after. And I'm not saying you're going to get that quality. But if you just give me inside what guys are saying with mics everywhere, it's reviewed so there's nobody swearing. And, two, you know, two, you know a minute later, you're, you're seeing this is what they're saying. I think that's a better use of the time than – than, than having and conducting interviews, um, you know, too many interviews in game, which are interesting in some respects, but I think it just kind of makes it feel like the league isn't as much a sport as it is sort of like a game show. So th- that would be my biggest uh, negative in terms of where I think they could improve upon. Nice balanced reporting. That's what we get when you read Andrew Marsh and his columns in the Post, uh, media sports critic, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew, thanks for hopping on board. Appreciate the insight. We'll touch base down the road. All right, great. Thanks, Jody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.